What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Daily Groomer Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Martin, and today we are joined by another professional groomer with some out-of-this-world stories to tell. I am sitting across from somebody who has seen a little bit of everything. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, she went from an employee at a private salon to an employee at the corporate side over to a business owner today. She also runs the social media channels for Groom Team USA. I am joined by the one, the only, Lauren Hill Mesquita. That was incredible. Thank you, Alex. I appreciate it. (laughs) Thank you for having me. No worries. No worries. So I'm super glad you're here. Uh, Like I said, one of the things that really excited me about your story, Lauren, and and we get, you know, for everyone out there, we get requests all the time to bring people on the show. And it's not, you know, I I love everyone. I love talking to all you guys out there. Um, But obviously the show, I want to tell stories that are really relatable. And Lauren, Mm -hmm. your journey uh, stuck out to me because it is really relatable to the typical you know, plot line of a salon owner today, you know, learning how to groom, starting in corporate, and then moving over to owning your own salon. And, you know, now kind of specializing in more of that online presence. How do I get more people to learn about this, to come into the salon, all through digital marketing? Um, How would you introduce yourself, you know, before we really dive into your story, how would you introduce yourself and who you are and, and what you kind of do today to someone that's never met you before? Um, so first I typically, it's my energy. It's my energy when they first see me, whether if it's my tattoos, my smile, my whatever, that's my energy. And I just try to treat everyone the same, regardless of who you are in the industry, um, wherever you are and however you got there. Uh, so I try to envision it, even if it was like a client coming into my shop as if I could still share a beer with you, you know, just because you're this amazing or famous person just to try to make it relatable or to talk to them to where they can feel comfortable. Um, But to just let me correct you, I was at corporate, but I started at a private shop when I was at 14. And then when I went there, I stayed there for almost four years. Um, then that's where I started kind of learning how to groom. He just put clippers in my hands. But then my mom was like, well, you need something with benefits. You need this. And then that's where I started my journey. So I've been in the industry since I was 14. So scoop and poop since I was 14. (laughs) (laughs) What a humble way to start. Uh, That is. (laughs) That was boarding and grooming too. There was times where it was an old clientele, old clientele. There was dogs that, passed away and I had to take care of it and it was just not cool for you know a 14 15 year old to do during a state of emergency when there was uh snow and I was the only one that can go there to take care of all these animals on Christmas by themselves and it was over 50 animals and you know that's not cool and then I went to PetSmart and I was oh excuse me I don't know if I can say that no that's okay I did uh, going to corporate that, you know, okay, benefits, all this 401 stock. And I started there when I was 19 and I said, wait, I can, I can say no, that there's policies, there's things where before not saying that it was a horrible experience. It just was light and day regarding um, private to then corporate. So, yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a really interesting perspective. I feel like most people don't go, private to corporate and eventually obviously you made your way back out to private, private but yeah. 
we usually hear the perspective corporate to private. And a lot yeah. of people obviously, you know, they see the light on the other side of private and they're like, wow, corporate was horrible. But mm -hmm. I like the perspective that you bring in saying, no, I was an employee at a private mm -hmm. and I went over to corporate and I actually, I found benefits in, you know, both literal and figurative benefits yeah. in moving over to corporate versus mm -hmm. being in private, obviously as a teenager. Yeah. I mean, what were kind of those things that being an employee at corporate, what did that offer you versus being an employee at a private salon? So um, at the private salon, I was just young and I needed some, you know, more room for me. Where can I grow? Where am I going to go? Um, I've always been a hard worker. Uh, the corporate job was my second job I've ever had in my whole life. And I just stuck to it. You work hard, you want something, you work hard. And that was one of the core drives that my you know, my parents have put into me and my sisters. Uh, so it allowed me the opportunity to travel, um, you know, being able to transfer, trans, excuse me, transfer. So I transferred several salons just because of life changes or a new relationship. So I went to an up north um, salon and then transferred to Baltimore and then came back to Delaware and then managed again. It allowed me to go to corporate to see what that was like. It allowed me to eventually start teaching in the grooming in the corporate world. Now, teaching, then I shouldn't have been teaching. I get that. <laughs> I get that. I'm like, oh, good, good luck. <laughs> but uh, it allowed me to invest into myself. And when times were tough, and I had stock options, I cashed that out and I was able to pay things off. Or um, unfortunately, when it got to the point where I was at a position in my life where something needed to change, corporate was changing where I was going, whether if I was outgrowing the corporate world or the structure or whatever it was, it literally went from a pay rate difference from a commission standpoint for the salon leaders to an hourly standpoint. And at that point, where I'd worked for the company for almost 12 to 13 years. Um, and it was a smaller store that I worked for. It went from me making so much commission wise and stipends and all this other stuff to an hourly rate. But because the store was so small at that point, at that time, um, I was only worth $13 and 82 cents where other stores that were in other areas. So I cut down my 401, which they match, the highest they match on 401 is um, at almost 6%, which is one of the highest in the country. So I did 10%. That was before taxes, all this stuff. I narrowed down everything and I took an, um, an 18,000, no, 18,000 to $20,000 pay cut in one year because of that. And I had to refigure what was going on because of the structure of PetSmart. I wanted to do the DAT. They just started the PetSmart grooming competition ring and the, the groom team and all this other stuff. I just, I knew that there were shows, but I didn't really understand it. And I thought that I was at least good enough to be on that. And now to realize where it was before I started taking private lessons, it, I wasn't like, I just knew how to put a clipper in the hand to make the pet owner feel comfortable. I wasn't educated enough on structure. I wasn't educated enough on any of that. It was just that corporate value. And I really took things like, where am I going? And, you know, unfortunately circumstances happened out of a relationship. My mom passed away. Where am I going? I'm in debt. You know, I just, 
I was like, okay. So I stayed with PetSmart until something happened. And then I said, okay, I'm going to start my business. And I cashed out my 401 when I, you know, when it was there and I had over a hundred thousand that I saved since I was 19 and I cashed it out. And there was an opportunity that someone was selling their shop and yeah. And I just took it and went from there, gave them a check for a certain amount, but I still had something to live off of, but I put in my life savings to my business to just start it. So that's where I started. Oh my gosh. Well, things started turning around, you know, new relationships. Right. My husband. Right, right. It was a good time to to open up a new chapter. But I mean, tons of questions, tons of questions there. But before we, before we even get to that new chapter, I'm curious, I mean, so there are some, I mean, I don't, I don't want to shine any sort of hate. There were some, no, some really good positives Great. for being in corporate for 12 yes. to 13 years. Um, I'm curious, one of the things that, that I view, and I think the industry still views as an overall polit- a positive, is the education mm-hmm. that corporate gives you. Did you learn how to groom at corporate? So, yes, I learned how to figure things out when I was at the mom and pop shop, but he just put clippers in my hands and there was a lot of incorrect, very unsafe things. PetSmart does allow a building block for opportunities for a huge foundation for your average pet grooming. Now, is that going to go into, okay, show dogs and hand stripping and all this? No, that's going to take more into the private lessons. And once I was still with corporate, I started taking private lessons because there was a position that I didn't get. And the district manager at the time was like, was saying, well, this person so-and-so is doing private lessons with Sealy Hams and they do dog grooming competitions. I didn't even know what a Sealy Ham was. Now to this day, I have three of them. You know, like <laughs> I started taking private lessons. I started educating myself with my mentor, Sally Hawks. And I went from there and within... The first six months of taking lessons, my life was now creating a purpose to where my mentor was coaching me in that direction. You should just do your own thing. What are you doing? Why are not saying that that PetSmart isn't great? I needed change. I needed to move on. Once I left PetSmart, of course, you have animosity or you have anger or this and that. It took me some time to realize and forgive myself on that, to forgive the, that that's my situation. That's not going to be everyone else's. It's not horrible. There's still people today that I've met through grooming competitions. Sorry, my dog's working. Met through grooming competitions that still work for the company, that still work for the corporate and still believe in its values and everything. And that's fantastic. Um, so I've grown a lot since then to forgive that, to forgive the situation and just to move forward. But really, if you don't make yourself feel uncomfortable to go explore something that's going to scare the crap out of you, then you're never going to be able to change because otherwise you're just complaining. If you're venting, that means you're doing something about it. And I needed to stop complaining. And that's where I, I, I so. love that. I love, I love the mantra that discomfort is good. I it feel is. like it has to be my world no. broken. I didn't know that's, you know, personal life and this, and I value having that corporation because it allowed me to live a life and make money of not having any college background. I went to a community college for a semester, if that, you know, I don't have that book smart and uh, that stuff, you know, my SAT scores 
let's not even talk about that. You know, like, why did I even take it? <laughs> I wanted to sing and be an actress and do all these crazy things. And I just started grooming because, you know, whatever my mom used to say, oh, why don't you try to be a vet or a vet tech? And I said, no, I don't want to do those things to where, no, that's not me. And then dog grooming just kind of happened. And then it just went from there. But it's an awesome opportunity to work in that corporate world from someone that has no, excuse me, that doesn't maybe have a background or any idea of where they want to go. But hey, it's a good place to just start, whether if it's corporate or even just to start and just go with that. And then Absolutely. be able to Yeah. So it's not as Absolutely. bad as it's people make it out. Yeah. 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 And it there sounds are, like you had. Go ahead. No, there are some things and some stories, and I learned a lot. I learned a lot about management and speaking. And for every finger that you point, you have 50 more pointing back at you and documentation, communication, participation, frustration, you know, <laughs> all of that. Um, so, yes, I am very thankful for the opportunities that it gave me. I um, Some of it did suck. It did. Uh, but I was able to move forward and use it as a blessing instead of a curse. So, no, that. That makes that makes sense. I love the uh, the way you're able to look on that very positively. Again, I feel like a lot of people leave that chapter of their life with a lot of animosity, uh, mm -hmm. but they forget they forget the foundation that they may have laid in in their in their current career. Um, so let's make that jump here. Let's make that jump over to private. That you had saved that money. Yep. You said it was it was timing more than anything. It was time for a new beginning. Yep. I want to dive a little bit deeper into the weeds. How how did you even begin to start um, your next chapter as a business owner? Did you start looking for buildings and locations first or how did you even begin that process? I didn't know where I wanted to go. I knew that I just needed to leave. I knew it was toxic for me, not saying that that was or whatever. The changes of management happen so quickly. So then you're trying to learn new values and course and this and that and it just, I was done. I was done because why is it going from this much money to then this much? And then I'm hearing of other people making this much and that. And I'm like, well, I could just make it myself. And then I just remember because the numbers, what really got me excited, the analytics of, you know, you have to make so much money per week. That's what's called a plan. And then your average ticket sale. And then when you have add-ons and then how many add-ons can you sell per person? So each person's like their own piston of an engine. And then this person, well, their add-on percentage was this, but then the add-on percent of the goal needs to do this. But it, so it just got really exciting to see if we were to mark it down on the average pet per sale, this is how many dogs we can do. So I've just allowed that to be my foundation for business. So if I'm going to pay myself now to this day, so much money and what's my average ticket sale for this and my overhead's going to cost me this much. These are how many dogs that I need to do per month in order for me to maintain. And that's really what I've stuck with. So I love that. I love that. I mean, that, I mean, Lauren, you are worlds and miles away of a lot of how we all think about pricing right now. Uh, I've been preaching about it with some of my guests here recently about uh, budget-based pricing, cost-based pricing, essentially, where you are going down into the numbers to figure out exactly what you are spending on by the hour, by the employee, as you mentioned, right. and then adding on, all right, hey, I know that this is my bar. This is how many dogs I need to groom to yep. just break even on my costs. Yep. So I can charge that. I'm going to make no money. 
So I can play with how much I charge on top of that, but I know where my bottom bar is. Yeah. So many, so many times I feel like we kind of lose sight of the fact that we are actually business owners as well as, as groomers. Um, mm-hmm. I'm curious. I mean, you know, you just, you kind of gave a riff here about how your SAT scores were bad. Yeah. You, you had no good formal education. How did you even learn to start looking at all this stuff? I just started learning at that because that was the expectation for salon leaders from PetSmart. You needed to make so much per sale. And then if I were to do some, not, excuse me, uh, not me, but the staff, the salon as its whole business on its own, if you were to be able to do so much per week, per month, per quarter, per year, then that just means more money. So who doesn't want to make more money? And then you get to see the meetings and that red line go into green and then talking to other people in corporate on, you know, who is the add-on person of this week. So it was the competition, the sales that was about it. And I really, really enjoyed that because I liked, again, seeing that number go and knowing that if I'm encouraging or helping those people to just see a difference, just see a difference because really if you don't do that many dogs, but you push for more add-ons, it just means less work, but more money in your pocket. And why wouldn't you want to have more money in your pocket if you want to live a more comfortable lifestyle? No, I so. love that. So let's let's dive into that a little bit. I mean, it seems like a lot of your pricing, or at least uh, at least a lot of your, let's call it your uh, revenue form- formula here, sure. is more add-ons per unit. And I love, 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 love. I've never heard someone on the show yet talk about average ticket price. So. Yeah. Let's let's put some context behind this. Um, explain to me how you think about average ticket price. What does that mean? And then how do add-ons affect that? So for right now, at my shop right now, with the add-ons, it's very particular or I want to say minimum. So right now, I'm just basing it because, again, I just did another price increase. And I actually just did a huge, you know, um, what is it called? Uh I cut cut down on a lot of clients just because I was getting overwhelmed. So with my average ticket sale at this point, my I just look at it, my base sale. What is my base sale for a small dog and where does that start? So that is my bare minimum and I always go up. And, and what is that? If you don't My mind, average ticket sale right now that I just increased is $90 for a dog that's under 10 pounds. That I have clients that drop off for sometimes three to four hours. Now I just cut back, I cut back on clients and I also laid off my staff. It just got to a point there was too overwhelming. Um, I have had groomers work for me. Um, I, the last couple bathers that I've had, they were wonderful. Uh, but it got to a point to where I was the only groomer and it just meant in order for me to make more money, I have to do more dogs. And I was grooming close to over 200 dogs per month. And I'm the only groomer. So I'd had bathers helping me prep my dogs. And on top of taking almost a week off from work to do grooming competitions and try to maintain some kind of mental stability and let alone I'm married, I don't have kids, but let alone try to maintain my own dogs at home or at the shop. So competition dogs, you have to bathe and maintain weekly and giving myself a paycheck. When I first opened up my shop, I didn't pay myself for almost two years. And then when I first started paying myself, I noticed, because again, PetSmart told me the most controllable expense is payroll, most controllable expense, because the longer that they're not doing the number of dogs or how many, like I would tell my employees, there's not a dog on my table, nobody's getting paid, nobody's getting paid. So I either need to cut hours or I have to trim the fats from somewhere 
and I need to be able to invest into myself. I need to feed myself first. So I finally realized that within the first two years of opening my shop. And unfortunately, it did lead to some tough decisions and some tough conversations and some tough relationship breaking and things like that. Still wish them all the best. Um, But a lot of things happened that as a business owner that you don't want to have to deal with. And And, and you have to make you have to make hard decisions at the end of the day. I mean, I love uh, it it seems like, you know, the way that you have thought about running your business right now and for anyone out there, um, Lauren's business is called Canine Couture. It's up in Milford, I believe, uh, Delaware. Yep, can I for expert grooming? Beautiful, beautiful. Um, it seems like the way you think about running your business is is three a three legged stool here. I can do three things to be better at running my business. I can bring more dogs to my tables. Mm-hmm. I can increase that average ticket offer, that mm-hmm. average that value ticket. And and what that means, everybody, is the base price. If we were to just put a price behind one dog coming in, what is that average ticket that we could do? So. Um, let me repeat a bring more dogs to the table B increase that average ticket offer and C reduce costs. And it seems like you did a little bit of everything there, Lauren, when things came down to it at the end of the day, you reduce costs. You said the most expensive cost is payroll. You increase that average ticket value by raising prices. Um, I'm curious, give us some insight on how you have thought about bringing more dogs to your table. So as far as doing jobs, I've cut back on clients recently. So actually it started in August. So doing the advertising, when I first opened my business, um, it didn't, it only came with maybe four people because the shop owner originally had stopped in April of 2015. And I opened my shop in July 1st of 2015. So she had already had a reoccurring client all this, all this. So at that point, they'd all gone, you know, they, it doesn't matter. They're going to find somebody else to go groom their dog, regardless of the relationship and how long they've been together. And there was maybe three or four dogs. So I just opened. And then towards the fall of 2015, I, there was another shop owner in town that happened to just close her shop and she's a wonderful person. And I thank her every year for this. Um, she decided to close her shop. She was getting ready to either have her second child or she just had a second child, but she's my age and she's been owning, she owned her shop for over 12 years in the Milford community. And she just recommended them to me. So it went from maybe doing five dogs in a week to 10 dogs a day. And it went nuts. So when all of that happened, I'm, you know, I'm posting and I'm doing this. So most of my advertisement has really been from word of mouth. I have done some advertising to help boost sales or help to increase with what kind of clients, because at first you're so hungry, you're so hungry. So you're going to take anything, you know, you're hungry, but then again, you're hungry at your own standards. So you're still not going to do every aggressive dog or every, big dog or whatever. So I was able to be picky and choosy, but I still didn't allow myself that love until much later when more tough decisions started happening. Because it meant if I needed to have more employees, I need to do more dogs. So I would say, again, the highest turnover rate at any pet grooming salon or whatever is always a bather. A bather is always a tough position. You pay them so little money they're not making they're not making what a groomer's making and all the physical labor that goes into it standing on your feet doing this plus the multitasking of cleaning organizing fluffing this expectation then if the dog's not done right then you have to train them and then the emotional 
availability, non-availability. And then after that, then you're trying to show them on how to, or educate them on how to possibly start grooming and putting shears in their hands. You're, you're dealing with people that have, because again, it's the type of industry that we are, that we have a lot of emotional trauma. We have a lot of mental instability. We have a lot of mental um, illness that's in the industry. And it doesn't mean that they're bad people. It's just, you have to be able to learn how to relate and communicate them, communicate with them in a different way. And one start putting instruments in their hands and unfortunately things happen when that happens you still have to be able to coach that person to want to continue their job and the hardest thing hardest thing that anyone that i've ever had to coach or train anyone has been clipping nails so i will put shears and clippers in anybody's hands but if you don't know how to do nails clip nails first then you're not going anywhere because it's going to be way worse than if you're slicing and dicing, you know, not on purpose, things happen. Yeah, that makes sense. So so pay their turn is very high because it's a very difficult job. But you had mentioned something right before that with, you know, when you when you needed to or when you started seeing more dogs through word of mouth, you needed to find more people. Do you have any strategies in mind or or, or things that you've seen work to find People that so want to do this I, job. What is really exciting is just social media. So social media, it, most of the platforms, Instagram, uh, TikTok, or even Facebook, it's free. It's free. So if you just make a cute little video and you're aggressive with it every day and you're aggressive with your pet photos and post pictures of every single dog. I'm very particular. Now, I haven't really been posting lately, but before as far as to start business you're adding into your stories you put a cute little song you add a story to it what is the story from that animal the most that that i see my audience through my business seems to be way more heartfelt to the stories of the rescue animals or something that traumatic that happened to the animal um something that you know even if the To me, I'm very particular. I want to show my hand stripping. I want to show this cute little face. No, they want to see the face that's uneven with the missing eye, which is fine, which is fine. But they're not in my world. I have to then make it relatable for them. So that's where you need to say if it's National Dog Day, um, Transformation Tuesday, uh, Wednesday, you know. That seems like. The net of that is, you know, it doesn't matter at the end of the day what you want to show people. You have to listen to what your audience wants to see or maybe what what the, uh, you know, for lack of yep. a better word, the non-groomer wants to see. The, the regular person that would bring their yep. dog in, what would they want to see? Um, you know, switching gears, but staying on marketing here, it seems like you, you, you aren't as focused anymore on the add-ons for your businesses uh, or for your grooms. But I'm mm-hmm. curious, I mean, what are some add-ons that you saw work pretty successfully in the past that can increase in average order value value so, for someone what i've seen in the past now it's not necessarily my salon but it could be anything are your upgrades on luxury shampoos so if you have a dog that has itchy skin um the thorough the thermo baths that it's like a whirlpool bath i mean i the thing is super expensive i think it's fantastic it might be something i could ben- invest into one day but to see the before and after of just skincare on that, because we're seeing your pets, we're seeing your babies more often than you see your own dogs or maybe even some of your own family. Um, it's just, it's 
we see all of that. We see the tumors, we see the yeast, all that stuff. Some of the other factors, so the thorough, clean, um, the extra greasy, dirty dogs type stuff, uh, any luxurious stuff people go nuts for. They love the scrub on the paw pads. You're making it a spa thing when really the dog's stressed. <laughs> it's yeah. and, and, big, but you can add it in and sure and how do you how do you price that sort of stuff i mean obviously it's like it's just also i don't want to call it random but right. You're right i mean at the end of the day we're kind of just throwing it in to get their ticket price a little bit higher i mean how would you think about pricing that extra fancy shampoo or that so thermo clean or whatever I, it is i would break it down per gallon and i would break it down to how much it would cost per bottle per use per dog so if it's going to cost you know five dollars per bottle or something then that's where i would start that price out how much did it cost you per gallon but then you're going to dilute it so then if you were to dilute it how much of a dilution ratio it is then divide it all by the ounces of the gallon and then that will break it down for you so that that's yeah so that's kind of like what i would try to do tell me i mean we talked so much about like it seems <laughs> like you are such a number driven person you are so like it. <laughs> I love it. You're so like, metrics and like anal like analytics. More money in the bank account. <laughs> oh, I mean, who doesn't, right? I mean, I just, I love it. You know, you've got that, that type of person that never wants to open up their bank account. And then you've got the type of person that has it as their screensaver. And I feel like yeah, you're yeah. the latter one there. Yeah. Well, I'm my curious. husband. My husband works for the bank too. So if my app's not working, he's the assistant branch manager for the bank that we have the business yeah, yeah. in and our stuff and the house for us yeah. to get a really low percentage, you know, all this stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so if I'm like, it's not working. Right. <laughs> and obviously you're, you're right. on it so much. Yeah, right, right. I'm curious. I mean, obviously you're tracking all this stuff. Yeah. With your business, are there any piece of technology that you're using? Are there yeah. any softwares? What are you yeah. using to, to so do all this? I, I narrowed down everything because before I was using an online company that sent out text messages, all this, that would allow people to clock in and out. But it ended up getting really way more expensive than what was necessary. So now I just use Square to use for my appointments, to use for my credit cards, and for also for any employees at the time to clock in and out. And they're able to see what their hourly wages and what their paycheck may be um, after taxes once they, you know, they clock in and out. So they're able to see that. Um, I did, at, and I am using ADP right now for my payroll system, just because they take care of all of the taxes. They take care of all the Delaware taxes, whatever. I just pay an extra amount. So once I know who's made what, do, 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 you dial it in, all this stuff. This is what I have to transfer from this bank account to this bank account to do payroll each week. And I always leave it a little bit of a cushion. Perfect. I know we're kind of on business question rapid fire here, but yeah. I love it. Tell me about payroll. Obviously, you've seen both sides. You told this story about how when you were in corporate, you were mm -hmm. on commission, you were making tons of money because it was a small store. You were handling a lot of volume of dogs, and then they switched you to hourly. So you saw the negatives of hourly come with, where it's a set fixed rate. Yep. Not as good, especially when you're seeing tons of dogs, um, but it does give you that stability. Sure. I'm curious, in your own salon or in your experience, how is your what, what kind of philosophy do you run on payroll? So when it comes to payroll at this point, I try to manage what I know that I can handle completely on my own. I've always said that. And then I finally just said, I'm going to do it. And I did it. So I started that August, the beginning of August of this August, and it was a huge transition. When it comes to payroll, again, I'm looking at what that's going to cost me. So I'm seeing where it was an average of so many 
so much per week. So then I need to, again, break that down with how much I need to do each week to then every four weeks to then month, then divide. So then I always up higher to what my overhead is. Um, Again, I'd rather pay for a company that may be more expensive. Now I may consider possibly changing it. Um, So you're talking about payroll providers, but I guess I'm more so curious in when you had employees or, or when you think about employees, what's your kind of philosophy when it comes to commission versus hourly versus uh, salary okay. we're going okay so i have since i've been opened i've only done hourly because the commission standpoint that if you are a partner in my business i do not agree with 50 percent commission you are taking part of my business uh there are no 1099s that is illegal I cannot do that. I won't do that. And it is an hourly position. So if you are with me, these are the, well, again, I would put it under expectation. So you're signing an employee agreement. It's not a, it's like a contract. So you're signing a contract with me. It's a right to work state in Delaware. So I'm not saying like, you can't open up your shop across the street. It just says for whatever reason, blah, blah, blah. These are the expectations. You have your roles and responsibilities. If you want to make more per hour, this is the expectation of you doing X, Y, and Z more of. So um, my most of my groomers, I started them off at 20 to 25. Uh, there was another groomer that I'd consider possibly doing commission, but things had just been too inconsistent and conversations that I was just like, now nah, it's not going to work out on a professional level. Um, with my with my bathers, I did, I was starting them off at $10 an hour. Now I'm starting them off at you know, 12 to 15, because that's the aggressive rate with, uh, what is it called? Middle, what is it called? Minimum wage. Thank you. Minimum wage in a couple of years is going to be $15 in the state of Delaware. So I need to do that. Plus give them the schedule that they want if they desire that, you know, they're not working weekends. I've stopped working weekends. If I'm working in the evenings and I tried to separate it with having a morning bather and an evening bather. So if someone wanted to take off to try to help with that. If I did have a groomer, not saying that that won't happen, but if I did have a groomer, they could basically work whatever schedule that they wanted along with the roles and responsibilities and the expectations were being met. When it came to commission, they're worth more to just groom dogs, but I look at it as a team to where the hourly rate that if I'm not there, there needs to be a representation one, for me to trust you that you can groom dogs on your own without any incidents and handle any kind of responsibilities. Not saying that you're acting on my behalf, but you're kind of running it like it's your own little thing. And two, that if I'm gone doing a grooming competition or I'm whatever, my business can still bring in money, I need to be able to trust that human with my shop, with my name, with my clients, with their clients, et cetera. And it just got really hard to try to stay on top of it, that stress. So that's why I had to- It was- it feels like- it feels like the hardest battle between I use the word battle very loosely here, but maybe the, the the line to draw between business owner and employee, it always comes down to incentives. How do I incentivize my employees enough to to want to be responsible for uh, what goes on in the business and act as if they are an owner so that everything is done to the top notch quality and even exceeds where the bar is set. But at the end of the day, they recognize their employees. So, so you have to almost find the incentives that work to, to keep those people loyal and, and yeah. motivated and incentivized and all that sort of stuff. Um, but well, that's also, your, your take on hourly versus commission. Yeah. I mean, also you're working in a close, in a close niche, you know, of just, just 
maybe just two or three of you and you get really close and you become friends, you become best friends and you have those boundaries that unfortunately that are crossed of it being more of an emotional type of relationship instead of a professional one. So to be able to hold people accountable and for them to still have that respect and for you to have that respect, it's really hard. And, you know, I do act with my heart often. I do know that I've made a lot of mistakes and not saying that they were the best, but I do know that I was human and I'm able to learn from them and move forward that it's hard. It's hard to be a business owner because even now that I called out on myself for my shop today, I still have phone calls and clients that I'm going to have to talk to and that anxiety, you know, that that's just why I stopped completely because I need to turn into a different but not just business, I need to turn my life into a completely different direction because it's not making me happy anymore. Uh, 100%. I mean, it's it's where the happiness starts taking precedent over the number in the bank account. Yeah, yeah. So at that point, um, you know, my life savings is not there. <laughs> so oh. I could just be like, here you go, just for someone else, then that's where I am. I do have a lot of amazing clients that are still with me. I've cut back from almost doing over 200 dogs a month to now maybe a hundred. So there was a lot of goodbyes that I've had to do within the last month. Uh, a lot of negative feedback, uh, you know, where they say, oh, don't take it personally. It's just business. No, but if you make comments and stuff where you've raised your prices last year and we threw a fit and now we can't do this, that's personal. You know, that's personal. These are people that 100%. I've known yeah. for a long time. And, I've, you know, I see when you're sick. I see when you're, when you've had a baby, when someone's died, when your pet's It's almost died. like you've been, yeah, you've been part of their life. Yeah. Um, you know, one question that, that's got a lot of people, you know, maybe curious right now throughout the entire industry with, with this kind of crazy demand we've seen since COVID is how do you avoid burnout? Uh, <laughs> So that was what happened. It got to a point where I just couldn't take it. And I had, well, today, for example, I've been going and, you know, I'm trying to record content. I'm learning things every day. I'm on my phone. I'm watching Instagram. I'm watching different reels. I'm seeing what advice, what's trending, what's not, what's cool on TikTok, what's not, what's on Facebook, what are they liking, what is this? Um that has my whole head wrapped around it. And it finally, because of the physical toll, because of the amount of dogs and also the large dogs, I had to say no. And I have to listen to my body and I have to listen to know that I'm missing time out with my family, with my husband, with my dogs. You know, I really miss the idea of being able to go somewhere with my friends, but I've committed so much to my shop that I, I'm not going to work weekends anymore. I'm not going to work on Mondays because I'm dedicating that to Groom Team USA or to, uh, you know, the board of creating content um, or any other future clients. And it really me, it took a toll on me on my mental health to where if every time that someone's so worried about just their dog, but they're not worried of why I'm closing or whatever, or I'm not, unha I'm not happy. That's a concern. So why am I going to, why am I going to continue down that path? And I'm really, really big on a saying that my mom used to say all the time was, and I'll say it to my friends, you're only as successful as the people you surround yourself with. So if you're, if I'm getting unhappiness from a client, from a human, from a dog, 
from whatever, whether if it's now, maybe in six months, it could bring me happiness. I don't know. But for right now, like I can't have the mental space to deal with that. And it, yeah, I talked to my husband and I said, I got to do something. And that next day I just, I'm sorry. I let my staff know. I let them go collect unemployment. That's why it's there. Do it. Like you're amazing. Um, I kept my bookkeeper. Uh, she only works one day a week and she's great. And, you know, there's other ventures. And as soon as that happened, I'm not saying that things weren't happening. My competition grooming has thrived within the last year, but that extra stress of knowing that there's a huge expectations and there's a huge amount of people that I'm getting ready to piss off and make unhappy. I can't allow that to make me unhappy anymore. So I had to really change things. I really did. hundred percent. I mean, it seems learning. like, I mean, I mean I, that is so clear, Lauren. And, and it is, I mean, I really appreciate you, you for being so vulnerable and transparent here um, because I feel like what you're describing, there are tons of other groomers and business owners out there today that probably feel those exact same feelings. And they feel like, they're stuck almost in a box, you know, trying to please their clients, trying to yep. please their employees, trying to please their family. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, you kind of got to look around and where is the time to please yourself and to make yourself happy, right? And so I love that you are almost now driven by this happiness metric. It seems like, mm -hmm. you know, as you've kind of grown as a business owner and as a groomer, that dollar sign was one of those metrics that, that you were always cognizant of. You know, we were joking about looking at your banking app and stuff like that, right? But it's true. And now it's almost, you've, you've, you've seen the other side where it's like, no, this can come at a cost. And that cost can come at my happiness if I'm not, you know, really, really prepped on where I'm going. Um, I want to leave our audience with one last thing here. Um, what is, you know, some advice that you could give to groomers that are looking to grow their business? Um, you know, I know a lot of your business has grown through word of mouth, uh, but a lot of stuff that you've done is clever, whether you think so or not, in, in how you've grown your business to the control you have today. Like today, it's a, it's a Tuesday that we're recording this and you're at home. You're not at your business slaving away, right? So you've given yourself some sense of freedom. What advice would you give to someone that is looking to grow their business and find that freedom that you have today? Um, I would say that make sure that you have a good foundation on where you want and how much you want to make. Use QuickBooks, get advice from people who are actually educated in it. Not everything is going to be the right thing, but you won't know unless you actually try. So if it scares you, most of the time you should do it. If you want to take that time off, just, you know, you may have to work extra hard to maybe reschedule or do this. Now I said, I'm never going to work weekends again, but I'm getting ready to go to England in three weeks, you know, for Colin Taylor stuff. So I need to look for opportunities for me to squeeze or take on extra clients. Or if I do have to work that extra day, then that's a choice that I'm making in knowing that this is what I want to do. So bonding with really good people that you can be friends with that are other groomers just because they're another dog groomer in your state doesn't mean that you can't be friends with them or network or just talk to them because you're not alone and there's opportunities everywhere and that's where i'm trying to turn this from instead of the physical point now that i'm getting really turned on with social media that i could what is, where can I go with the longevity to create Canine Couture Studio? Maybe I can create a second business. Maybe I can create reels and charge and do this. There's opportunities everywhere. It doesn't just have to be dog grooming and know that there are options for you and you're not alone.
I love that. Thank you so much, Lauren. Uh, we'll wrap things up there. You left us with some really important uh, things today that I want to recap. Uh, you've taught us that discomfort is key, that it is okay to say no. Um, that is, it is important to know your numbers. You cannot do anything about your business if you don't know your numbers. Uh, the only free marketing out there is content and happiness at the end of the day is the only metric that really matters. Uh, Lauren, you are a gem. I really, really appreciate you sharing all of these lessons from all these stories that you've kind of, uh, you know, been through on your own. Um, I really appreciate you coming on. Where can people find you if they want to follow your social media channels? Uh, so I am available on Facebook. I made my name public at Lauren Hill. Hill is my maiden name. So Lauren Hill Mosquito. My business is Canine Couture e expert grooming but eg and on tiktok it's the same thing canine couture eg my other instagram is lupe underscore loco that was my old aim name from high school <laughs> nice <laughs> and also i am doing the social media for groom team usa so you can see us on facebook at groom team usa you can also visit us on tiktok at groom team usa and our new instagram groom.teamusa so yep follow us uh, we subscribe <laughs> like subscribe follow like, share subscribe. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the pod